0: Alright, I'll just pray before we start. Father, we just uh, thank you for the blessings that you give us so freely, Lord. We thank you for uh, the kids, Father. Just continue to pour into them. Show us how to be proper examples to them as well, Lord, to lead them in your way by word and and also by the way you behave and live. Father, just pray that you... Uh, Take your word as we look into it and make it make it alive to us, Lord. just trust that uh, you want to speak to our hearts, Father. We just give you praise and for even allowing us to have a, a Bible in our language. yeah we love you, Lord. just speak to our hearts today, Jesus. Amen. so I wanted just to speak about today uh, something I shared before, but we often need to be reminded about it. And it's about just the importance of continuing to, to judge ourselves. There's a verse in 1 Corinthians 11:31, 31, and it says that if we judge ourselves uh, rightly, we would not be judged. And in the context, it's just speaking about how we should judge our heart and our intentions before we come to uh, the lord 's table before we break bread or share in communion, and then it talks about how God will often discipline people when they don't approach the lord 's table in the proper way, and so in the context is saying, you know judge yourself so you don 't have to be judged this way and uh, but sometimes that's not you know we don't even share that verse with people or we don 't even do that we don 't even judge ourselves when it comes to the Lord's table, let alone judge ourselves in everyday life. So, but I think it's very, very important uh, for those of us who um, profess to be followers of Christ, who hold the strong teaching, because it's so easy to point the finger at other people and judge them and despise them and stuff like that. So I just wanted to share about that. And so when I speak, when I'm saying judge ourselves, I'm just talking about having a right assessment about ourselves, the same assessment that God has about us. Not what other people say uh, about us, what we think about ourselves, but what does God actually think about us? How does he view us? And there's a verse in 1 Corinthians as well, but in chapter 4, verse 5, and it says this, it says, Therefore, Do not go on passing judgment before the time, but wait until the Lord comes, who will bring both to light the things hidden in the darkness and will disclose the motives of men's hearts. Then each will receive praise. Uh, Then each man's praise will come to him from God. So, in that verse, it's speaking about our judgment of other people. Uh, that we can't judge what they do in secret or the things that we don't see. We can't judge their motives and say that person's doing that because of this when there's no evidence to why they're doing that. But we also need to have a proper assessment about ourselves in those two areas. So we need to, this is where our focus should be, not just how we behave or the things we say or something like that, but our secret life, the things no one knows about, those those hidden areas, our our private life. and also the motives of our hearts, not just uh, what we're doing or something like that, but what's, what's the motive for doing that, you know? Because oftentimes Christianity can be dumbed down, just do the right things, just behave the proper way, just say the right things, and, but the motive is completely removed um, out of it. It's not even brought into consider- consideration. So it's not just, you know, are we preaching or are we evangelizing or whatever, but why are we doing it? Or... Not just are we reading the Bible, but why are we reading the Bible, and or why are we speaking well to people when other people are around, or you know, uh, why are we controlling our eyes when we're with other people and stuff like that? Is it because we do that also in private, or so there's so much that's placed on our motive, and we need to prioritize that as well. So we're not just looking at the external aspects of our life, but really getting to the heart of the matter and seeing, you know. What are we doing? Why are we doing it? Because that's the area that God sees. Everything else is open to other people. But when we really come before God and say, you know, what's really in my heart? Why am I doing this? Why am I behaving this way? I think that spiritual life, um, we can derive spiritual life from our honest assessment about ourselves. And so, um, in Proverbs twenty-eight thirteen, it says that uh, people who conceal their sin will not prosper, and if they confess and turn from it, uh, they'll receive mercy. And that's in the New Living Translation. but So that's something we need to do every day. And it's not just talking about going to other people and confessing our sins, because people, you know, can do that. I had someone within the past, well, a while ago anyway, someone that doesn't even come to this church, someone who I've met just one time, they messaged me and they confessed their sin online. It was just, I just figured you were a good person to confess my sin to because... There was, I read this verse that said confess their sin. And so it was a teaching opportunity. Like, you know, brother, you don't have to, have to do that. You know, just go before God or whatever. But they messaged me and says, you know, I struggle with this. And oh, okay. Like, I was shocked by that zeal. Like, that's, that's cool. Even though the verse was taken out of context. He was referring to a verse in, in James. But I was like, oh, that's cool. But when I'm speaking right now about confessing our sin, it's not just going to other people. Because even in that sense, we can almost, that can even be done from a wrong motive. Like I can go to someone and say, you know, I'm really struggling with this and I'm trying to get some reputation. Man, no, that person's a, a humble brother to, to confess that. Well, no one ever confessed that publicly before, let alone in um, and stuff like that. So everything's about our motive. Why are we doing it? Not just doing the proper things, but really getting to the heart of the matter and judging ourselves. And the danger that happens, I think, and we fail to do that, is that we open ourselves up uh, to deception. And that's why we have so many exhortations about today, today, today. So many things in the, verse, in the Bible that talks about today. Um, in Hebrews 3, 3, 7. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Again, in verse 17. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Then Hebrews 4, 7. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Then... Uh, I think it's in chapter 4 as well, but it says, uh, you know, Encourage one another day after day while it's still called today, so that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. So, all these ex- today, 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 judge yourself today, in other words, that's what it's saying. It's saying, Today, if you hear his voice, don't, don't harden your hearts. And even when we think about that, we can think, How long does it take for us to have a hard heart? A day. It might take a long time to fall into a terrible pit where. Our defeat is completely evident to everybody else, but it just takes a day for our heart to become hard. Just us failing to judge ourselves just one day. That's not to, to raise the standard higher than it is, but it's just what scripture says. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. What do we learn from that? If I fail to listen to God's voice for one day, in some regard, whether I feel it or not, my heart will become hard to some degree. You know, we might not feel it. We might still be doing the same things, behaving the same way. But in some regard, it causes us to be a little less sensitive uh, to the voice of God. And so we need to do that because if we don't do that, we can deceive ourselves. See, there's proper teaching can keep us. Can preserve us from being, I guess, deceived from false prophets. Like if you come to this church for any amount of time, you'll hear certain things, and you'll be able to turn on the TV and listen to someone, someone saying, you know, um, I have this bandana. I prayed over this bandana. If you just send me five hundred dollars, this bandana, it's gonna heal people and whatever, and you can. That's crazy if someone's saying, I have this bottle, it's Miracle Spring water. If you just pour it over your ailing body part, it will heal you. Just send me a check. I know you have $500. I can see it right now. You're wearing a red sweater. Please send this to me. We'll look at that and say, that's trash. That person's crazy or something like that. Why would we know that? Just because we've been exposed to good teaching that says, that's wrong. And so we can pat ourselves on the back and say, oh, I know that that's wrong, but that's as far as good teaching will go. Good teaching, it's not gonna preserve us from our own deception of deceiving ourselves of thinking we're more spiritual than we are if we're not judging ourselves. And so that's what we want to do. Those looking at that and seeing that that's wrong or whatever, anybody can do that if they if they have a Bible, you just read and say that doesn't that doesn't line up. You know, unbelievers can do that, and that happens all the. I find that happens. Every once in a while, I'll be at some Christian event or something and an unbeliever, I can remember three times specifically, the last time it happened probably was within the last, uh, the last year, or year and a half, but I was at a Christian event and something was completely unscriptural and someone who doesn't even go to church who's an unbeliever will say, hey Jay, what do you think about that? That seems a, a little bit weird, doesn't it? And the only reason they knew that is because they had some Idea of Christianity. They weren't born again. They weren't attending church, but they had some familiarity with the scriptures, so they were able to look at that, even themselves. They're not a Bible scholar by any way. Neither none of them were, but they're able to look at that and say, "That's, that's not right." And so, if we can do that, you know, praise God for that. But we could still be deceived and be deceiving ourselves. Um, and so, that's a great danger. Where we're almost—it's almost like we're living under New Covenant this new covenant facade where, uh, you know, we have this righteous anger, but it's almost in the spirit of the old covenant. And that I find that's a great, great, great danger for people who pursue after holiness and have solid teaching because, you know, we can become so zealous, just like the Pharisees were zealous for their truth, for their religion and stuff like that. We can be that same way for proper doctrine just to be preserved within Christendom. We might not hold ourselves to that same standard, but we just want it to be preached, you know? So we'll have those people on the radio or on the TV, and it's like, why are they doing that? They need, they can't do that. They can't rob people. They're treating God wrong. It's a wrong attitude to money. But then meanwhile, we're judging them in that regard, but we're failing to judge ourselves and not, you know, we never even have an inkling of that frustration for our own unchristlike attitude to money or something like that. Well, why are they doing, that's crazy. Meanwhile, we're spending our money, however, and um, we have no desire to be free from debt or whatever it is. There's all these different things, but we're not judging ourselves, we're judging them. And so what happens is the teaching has preserved us in some regard to where we're saying that's wrong, but meanwhile, we don't have that same uh, focus for ourselves or whatever. And there's all kinds of ways that we do this. Like We're experts at pointing the finger and stuff. It could be Someone's host, or you know, that host is too big. You know, people always do that. Anybody who has more than you is—they're living, they're living lavishly, or they're squandering their money. If you have one car, someone who has two, they're an idolater or whatever. If you live in an apartment, anyone who has a host, they don't need that big of a host. They don't have any kids or, or whatever it is. You know how we do? How we just. We're spiritual, and everybody else who doesn't fall into our category, they're unspiritual. Meanwhile, all of us are the richest people in the world. Like I was saying to Isaac yesterday, I was saying, you know that someone from, you know, like a poor village in India or Africa or something, they came over here for a day or something. They go back to their country, and they say, you know, those people, I was going to do an accent, but I won't. They say they say they have they just look at us the way we live and they would say that they would go home and tell someone that our tools have a host called a shed. They say, Their tools, you know, what, what goes in who lives in there? We take them out to the backyard or whatever, and they'd say, Oh, who lives in who lives in that place? And oh just just a lawnmower. That big space? You know, because some people would live in that. That's how rich we are. But meanwhile, we judge other people and say, man, why are they squandering their money like that? um, Just all these different things. And uh, so we need to to be careful about that. Or even we judge other Christians in that regard, but also by their doctrine when they don't believe something that, you know, that we do. And say, why don't they believe in that when scripture clearly says, uh, clearly says this. And, oh, they don't, those people don't believe in, uh, being filled with the Holy Spirit. And Ephesians 5.18 gives an explicit commandment to be filled. He's writing to Christians who are obviously born again and have partaken of the Holy Spirit, but there's a commandment to be filled. How can they just ignore that or whatever? But, and we'll get mad at them. Meanwhile, it's like we're not filled ourselves. Or we'll say that. That structure, church structure is improper. Why do they just have one person leading the church? Can you point me to one verse in the Bible where it shows that one person is a leader of a church? Can you show me anywhere? No. All believers are priests. It says in 1 Peter 2. We all have this priesthood ministry and we're all able to contribute to the body, building up of the body of Christ. That's what we'll say. Meanwhile, we look at our own lives and say, I really don't contribute to the life of the church in any way. So I'm just saying, it's not that guilt trip. I don't know if anyone's identifying with it, but just how we judge others and how we view other people. We're not judging ourselves. And this person believes this, you know, what you believe something contrary, but what has it done for you? You know what I mean? You you might believe in, you know, I believe in the the deity and also the humanity of Jesus, that he was tempted in every way that we are yet never sinned. Now he says, follow me. You know, praise God that you believe that. What what has it done for you practically in your everyday life? Has it caused you to be conformed to the same image of Christ in the moment of temptation? Has there been a revelation in your spirit that Jesus was tempted in this way, just like I am, and he never sinned. God, you can give me grace for that as well. You know, but a lot of times that doesn't happen. But there's still that prideful and that judgmental attitude towards other people. There's a quote, I don't know who said it, but uh, it says that, we tend to act as lawyers for our own sins and judges for the sins of others. So when it comes to our own sin, we have all the evidence of why it's not sin. You know, say we're standing before God, your honor, um, (laughs) or before other people They confront us and we say, well, I have this, this whole template, this whole list of why that doesn't apply to me, here's all the evidence, because you only know this percentage, but this is the reality, and I did this because of this. There's so many things you don't know, and this is the reason why what you say is not true, why this isn't sin. I'm a lawyer for my own sin. And when it comes to, you know, the other person, some other person's sins, we're just elevated, just looking down at them, and, you know, basically you have to tell me why that's not true. Basically it's this condescending attitude and this, tone that we take towards other people. We're lawyers for our own sins and judges of the sins of others. And so, we need to judge ourselves. And so, one of the primary ways that we do this is by meditating on scripture. In Hebrews 4.12, one of the verses that the kids had for a memory verse that we just shared, says, for the word of God is living and active, and sharper than any two-edged sword, and piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit, of both joints and marrow, and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. That's in Hebrews 4.12. So the scripture, as we meditate on it, and the Holy Spirit speaks through the scripture, is able to reveal those areas where only God sees, just like we read in 1 Corinthians, those things hidden in the secret, those secret thoughts and our motives, those are the intentions of of our heart. This is what the Word of God is able to disclose. That's one of the reasons when we read Scripture, it's not just so that we can get our Bible reading out out of the way I read my chapter for the day or something like that, but to actually meditate on Scripture and have it speak to us to say that the Word of God has actually judged The thoughts and intentions of my heart. And I think so often we just limit that to a sermon or whatever. I'll hear a prophetic word in church and it will disclose the motives of my heart. It will disclose something within me because I'll hear it and I'll say, oh, I think that applies to me. And, you know, we praise God we want to be that type of church. But even outside of that, we come to church, you know, once a week or twice a week and, you know, we'll hear some words uh, by someone in a formal setting. But the rest of the time is just spent in our private life, just with God. Is, are those times only reserved for church or something when we gather together? I don't believe, I don't believe so. It might be, we you know, we benefit from a word of prophecy from someone else, but God still has a word for us every day. And uh, man must live on bread alone. We know that verse. We, we've heard it often. In 2 Timothy 3, uh, in verse 16 and 17, it says, all scripture is inspired by God, or in the NIV it says, God breathe. I just like that better because when you think about God breathing something, it's always some type of life that's partaking. God breathed into Adam and he became a living soul. Jesus breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. When we think about God breathing, it's always something living and something life. So when we think about scripture, like if it's God breathe, we think the life that we can derive from scripture know, naturally, in our earthly realm, it's just words on paper. But when we realize it's the eternal word of God as well, as we partake of it, let it speak to us, seek to obey it, and trust in Christ, then it provides us with life as well. But all scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequate and equipped for every good work. So, we read that verse. If you've been going to church, that's not, oh, that's the first time I, I ever heard that verse. You've probably heard the verse before, but something that I stress a lot and I can't stress enough, when we read scripture, like always think about it in the practical sense. Like, Don't just read that verse and say, scripture is good for those things, and then we have no idea what those things mean. Scripture is good for teaching, but what does it mean that all scripture is, profitable for reproof. What does that mean? What does that look like? Or what does it mean when it's for correction? How does that work in my daily life or for training in righteousness so that I may be adequate and equipped for every good work? This is a, a big deal. It's not something that we just pass up and say, oh, it's saying that we have something, God has given us something that will make us equipped for every good work. All the good works that God prepared beforehand in Christ that we might walk in him as the book of Ephesians tells us. Scripture is aimed for that purpose. So we need to figure out how is this how is this going to work? Like I, I, I haven't experienced that so I need to know how it works in my life. How does that everything scripture works so that I may be adequate and equipped for for every good work? So I think we understand what teaching is a little bit. When we think about reproof it says that all scripture is inspired by God profitable for teaching we get that. We can understand how we can be taught from Scripture. But reproof is really to expose clearly. That's what it means. It means to clearly expose and to convince with solid evidence. If you look at it in the Greek, it means Scripture is useful for reproof. It means that the Scripture, with, when the Holy Spirit breathes life into it, into our spirit, it means that Scripture will clearly expose things that are hidden, and compel us with overwhelming evidence. That's what scripture is used for. That same word is used in Matthew 18, 15, when it says that, if any brother sins against you, go and show him his fault in private. So in that context of Matthew 18, it's a specific sin that someone has committed against us. And so we go to them and say, this is what you did against me, brother. I just wanted to point it out to you. There's no guessing of, you know, you did something to me. I'm not going to say what it is, but you did something and just know. I just wanted to point it out. It's specific and exact thing. And so scripture was supposed to point out that same thing. We're not supposed to just read a verse and say, well, I don't, I just don't feel right. I don't know. I don't know what it is, but something feels a little off within myself. I don't know. I don't know what it is. The Scripture in this context when we hear from God is able to even transcend that and say, this is exactly the unchristlikeness that is in you currently uh, and it's able to, to do that for us and so if we haven't experienced that, it's something that we need to go before God before and say, Lord, I want to have this relationship with you where you know even though if I'm not studying the Word, not I don't think everybody will be uh, to the same degree ast- student of the word. We should all, you know, soak it up to read it and everything like that, but we might not be all on the same level in that regard. Some people are just more naturally geared to that. Um, But at the same time, I should also mention that as well, to not be lazy with our study of the Bible. And so, because even that, even that's a, a way that we can judge other people as well when we're not judging ourselves. You know, we judge people for not preaching the truth. Meanwhile, You know, we've been born again for years and there's verses, books in the Bible that we've never read even once. But we'll judge other people and say, how are they doing that? That person that we're judging, they go through the Bible once every year. So we need to be quiet if there's verses, books in the Bible. If we've been Christians for years and there's books in the Bible that we've never read, we can't judge anybody. We should, Lord, forgive me. Forgive me for coming to church and singing know you're everything for saying, you know, you know, making myself a Christian or saying I'm a Christian and saying the word of God is the final authority. Meanwhile, there's things in this final authority that I never read. I'm not saying that maybe you've been, you know, not a Christian for long or whatever. I'm not saying that as a guilt trip. But I'm just saying the nonchalant attitude that we have. This is God's word. Meanwhile, eh, you know, whatever. I'm not you know, that's in Habakkuk, yeah, whatever, Amos, I don't even know who Amos is, sounds like my old uncle, Uncle Amos, I don't know what the book Amos is going to teach me or whatever, Obadiah, Obadiah, Shmobadiah or whatever, just, you know, that nonchalant attitude that we have, so we can't judge people because uh, we see our, the own hypocrisy in our own selves, not to get sidetracked, but I just say that just to, to point it out. Uh, and We also see that scripture is useful uh, for correction. That's what it says. All scripture is God-breathed or God-inspired. Useful for reproof and for correction. And that word there basically means to set upright or to make straight again. So... And that root word, and I say this, not to just, you know, that's something that I do when I read scripture. I want to look something up. So I'm not just trying to say, hey, guys, this is, and you guys know my heart as well. I'm not just saying, hey, this is some cool information. But just so that when we read this verse, we can assess ourselves via the Holy Spirit and say, do I have this type of relationship with the word of God? Am I judging myself? In this way not to just leave us in the dark or something so I pray it goes beyond the realm of just learning what these words mean but that in the day and day we'll be able to say okay the Word of God is functioning this way in my life or it's not functioning this way in my life so that word correction it means to set upright something that was crooked or hunched over to, to make right something that was off track to make straight again in Luke 13 13 there's a verse of the woman who was sick uh, she was all crippled up. Some spirit was on her and she was all hunched over and Jesus laid his hands on her. And, um, you know, he said, uh, you know, be made whole again. Or he laid his hands on her and then the verse says in Luke 13, 13, immediately she was made erect. So she was all hunched over. Then she encountered Jesus and Jesus laid his hands on her and then she was able to stand up straight again and, and uh, began glorifying God or begin praising God. So if you think about that in a practical sense, there's, there is areas in our life where we're hunched over. We're not able to run fully after Christ. Just think if you had to run a race and the whole time you had to run, you had to hunch down like this. You're not going to be going as fast as you potentially could be going. So if you think about that in a spiritual sense, there are areas in our life where we're hunched over and God can clearly see that's an area where you're crippled. You're not running the way you should. That one area is tying you down. There's other areas of your life where you are upright and you're flying. It might be you know, being righteous in money matters or something. You can say, I'm completely righteous in the way that I handle money. I'm not cheating people. I have my own business. I'm not cheating people or whatever. I'm completely upright in this money matters. I'm running after Jesus fully. But then we might be hunched over in our assessment of money where we still think that our money is ours. And we say, well, I still spend it the way I want to or, or whatever like that. And now the word of God is saying, you know, that's an area where you're crippled. You need to be upright. I want to make you upright. I'm pointing my finger on that to make you upright again. And so that's something that that scripture will do. And it's not that every single day we're having this type of relationship uh, with the word of God, but I'm just saying that it should be more frequent than what it is. You know, we shouldn't just open the Bible and just say, well, that, you know, nothing happened. And then continually that's like that where we never derive anything from scripture when people talk about revelation that they receive from God you know this is what they're talking about the word of God that speaks to their heart in that moment and, and something happens you might see something good in yourself that you never saw before and you realize man I was beating myself up but I realize that I'm justified in the sight he now looks at me not only as if I've never sinned but as if I've always obeyed that's amazing I, I don't have to beat myself up anymore. Or we might, you know, see something where we're not as Christ-like as we should be and say, man, Jesus purchased my freedom from that. Why am I still defeated by that? I need to, you need to give me grace, Lord. Make me humble. Set me on the path of humility. And so that's the type of relationship that we need to have more and more with Scripture. It also says that all Scripture is useful for training. And that word training when you read in the New Testament, it's always speaking about either discipline or education. So if you think the Word of God is going to discipline me, that's another rare thing. We don't discipline. Discipline always hurts in some regard. For the moment, That's what we read. All discipline seems hard f- for the moment, but who those who've been trained by it, it produces righteousness. That's what we read in the Word of God. So scripture is going to point us in that direction as well. It's going to train us and also educate us, not just to be, just think about how with a child, you know, they're disciplined and they're also educated as well. And that's what scripture is supposed to do to, so that we're able to, um, you know, be equipped for every good work. You know, I'd love saying to Isaac yesterday as well, like, man, it would be cool if there was like a, some Bible school or something where the focus was just reading scripture and living it out. Like, we'll get to the preaching aspects and all that and, you know, what they call homiletics and all this stuff and studying the Hebrew and the Greek and learning Hebrew and Greek and all that if necessary because there might be there's some benefit in, in that. But more so, we need to be trained and educated by the scripture you know, because there's so many, lots of people who, who preach for, for a living and are almost ignorant um, of, of scripture. And despite going to school for four years or whatever, so you think, you know, what, what has happened there? That's why I always ask people, like, you know, Bible college, like, what are you learning? Like, what are, what are they teaching you? Because I know lots of people who graduate, and they might be pastors or whatever, and there's things, and it's like, man, that's like, like ABC. It's not that we're judging or despising or something like that, but because they don't know. That's what they've been trained. That's what they've been brought up in, so that's as far as they go. And um, it's unfortunate, but, um, so yeah, just to be trained and equipped by scripture, to be educated, not only educated and not disciplined, but disciplined and also educated, because we can swing to either side as well. We always need to be educated, and all I need to do is learn, 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 and I need to memorize, and now I have this whole book memorized, and now I'm okay. Meanwhile, we never receive that discipline from a father. So we need that as well. And the training also, just to point out, is training in righteousness. And that means basically the approval of God in conformity to his nature. So this is what scripture is going to do. Scripture is going to train me and educate me in the school of being approved by God and being conformed to his nature. That's what my Bible reading should be doing. When I'm digging the scripture, this week I'm going to go through the book of John or whatever all of it, continuously, even when we hear a preach, it should be conformed, pushing us in this direction. You know, when we hear the word of God spoken, and when we read it in private as well, primarily in private, just like I said before, but it should be working to this aim. Man, I'm being reproved by scripture. It's exposing things within me that I never knew were within me before, and um, you know, I'm being, I'm being corrected. I see this life, I was crippled, spiritually crippled in this area, and now it's setting me upright. right, and man, I'm being disciplined. I thought I was great, but I'm not that great. Or I'm learning this. I didn't even know that was in the Bible before. And now I'm, wow, I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm just learning this or something like that. Like I, I think I was sharing the other week, but uh, just little things, little facts that, you know, sometimes we bypass or whatever in scripture where, you know, the Bible says and that the wise men, they visited and I just say that, not that I don't think anybody has become more Christ-like by learning this one fact, but just speaking about the realm of education, how we see things in scripture that we don't see. But the Bible says that the Magi, or the wise men, when they came to Jesus, the baby Jesus, he was in a host. But you never see a nativity scene or a play with the wise men in a host. There's always sheep and goats or whatever, and so, but when you read that, you know, that's just one little point of education that we derive uh from scripture and that's not ideal i just say that and that's why i explicitly said i don't think anybody has ever become more christ-like by knowing that the wise men met jesus in a host. but there's all kinds of things like that where we don't see but is pointing us into the realm of spiritual education we're we're being trained in the school of being approved by God and being conformity to his nature. So that's what what scripture does. That's how we judge ourselves. We're not just sitting alone with our own thoughts. That's why I said not to do that. That's what psychologists will recommend. You know, sit down and just think. Evaluate yourself. Breathe in, breathe out. All these different steps and all it does is cause us to look inside ourselves and either it'll make us feel worse off than we already are. We're just like, man, I was feeling horrible. Then I was looking inside of myself Then I felt, now I feel even more horrible. Or I was feeling good and now I look inside of myself and now I feel even better than what I did. I'm really, I'm the best thing since, I don't know what people say, best thing since blue jeans or whatever. But we just get this great assessment about ourselves. I think I'm so great when we look inside ourselves. So we don't want to do that. We want to let the word of God uh, search us, and I could continue, but I'll just stop there uh, for now. I might continue some other time, but really, just allowing the Word of God to judge us and judging ourselves. There's a verse in in First Peter four, but it says that judgment must begin with the household of God. And speaking about you know the context of the church in First Peter four seventeen. But, you know, often when I think about that verse, I think about, you know, myself. I'm the household of God, according to Scripture. If you're born again, you're the household of God, according to Scripture. You're a a temple for the Holy Spirit. Us, unified and corporately, this is a dwelling place of God as well. But, so I don't just think about that, you know, it's time for judgment to begin with the household of God. With the church, absolutely. I think Christendom would be a far better if we focus on that, if we really focus on judging ourselves instead of judging people, especially outsiders, like that doesn't even make sense, but if we really just judge ourselves as believers and say, forget what the world's doing, you know, that's like someone who's alive, you know, making fun of someone who's dead and saying, you stink, <laughs> your flesh is rotting, you, you smell, your, your skin looks funny, you're getting all shriveled up. That person's dead. What are, they, what are they supposed to smell like the new Armani, Armani Cologne or whatever? They're dead. They're supposed to smell like that. And that's the same thing we do when we judge people in the world, like they're doing exactly what they're supposed to do. Um, you know let, let them do it. We're not supposed to be shocked by that. God's not shocked by it. Sometimes things will happen in the world and we'll say, "Oh my goodness, I can't believe you know, it happened. And we might have that depending on, I guess, the way things go, but it's, it's, al- it's a shock of, you know, of hurt, almost like, oh, that hurts, you know what I mean, like, wow, that hurts, it's almost like a grieving, but it's not like a shock, like, how is that possible? It's a, it's a grieving for the fact that it occurred, but it's not, I don't believe how someone could do that. I know full well how they can do it, because they're spiritually dead, and their father's the devil. So the fact that when they do things that is evident that that's who their father is, they're just doing exactly what they're supposed to do. So we're not even supposed to judge those people. So if we judge ourselves, things would be a far, uh, lot better, but even for us. So it's not just a matter of the church. It's for ourselves. Judgment must begin with me. I must be a person who judges myself, looks into myself and says, by scripture, says, is scripture really disclosing the motives of my heart? And I think that even that will knock us back down to reality because maybe that has never happened to, to you by reading scripture. And so you will see the next time there's temptation to judge someone or judge someone in the world or another believer, I pray by the grace of God, something will remind us and say that you're not as spiritual as you think you are because you don't have this type of relationship with the word of God. You even struggle to read scripture alone and you're supposed to be born again by the seed of God and you're supposed to have that new desire to read the scripture and that's supposed to be birthed by the Holy Spirit. And so, but you don't have this type of relationship with scripture. And so I think that'll knock us back down to reality to say, I've never once been reproved by scripture reading in my private time. I've never saw, I've heard sermons, you know, I've heard Brother Zach speak or I came to church and wow, that struck me, it really convicted me and I realized, man, I'm not, okay, I need, you know, I'm a little further off than, than what God should me. Be. I've been a Christian for X amount of years or whatever, but I think I should, I've had that from sermons, and we praise God for that, but I've really never had that in my private time with, with scripture. God's never revealed himself to me Privately, like that. And that will knock us right back down to reality and say, okay, this is a spiritual checkup where we can say, man, I was really encouraged in church today and I was really built up. I was all hunched over, and then I heard a word and it made me, God is my Father. I can't, I heard that word spoken in church or on the sermon, and God is my Father. He loves me perfectly. I can't believe that. Praise God for that. But I've never had, I can't honestly say that I have never had those times in my private devotional life where. There was a word that God spoke to me. And later in the day, I realized when I was going through something, that word came back and set me upright. And hmm, I'm not defeated. I'm not, you know, just a, a miserable sinner. I'm a child of the most high God. I was transformed from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his marvelous light. I'm not going to live this defeated life or subpar life or even when I sin, stay in a pit of defeat. I know who I am. Jesus, Jesus died for me. He continues to intercede for me. I'm going to live upright. Now I'm set upright by the word of God. A lot of us, if we're honest, we have to say we don't have that type of relationship with scripture. So the aim of this is to say, judge yourself. Just like Zach says, the happiest people in the world are those who judge themselves. Believe that wholeheartedly because we can easily set ourselves on a path of deception. And we preach enough truth that, you know, those lines are going to be separated anyway, just regards to our preaching, even if we don't live the proper way. If we just listen to what we preach, what we teach, and what's being taught by, you know, a lot of people, unfortunately, there might be, there's going to be a separation. There's going to be a contrast, a line in the sand that shows those who hold to, you know, the truth, who preach the whole counsel of God, and those who just, you know, Just tickle people's ears or whatever. Even in just that one example about judging yourselves during the time of the breaking of bread. You know, um, I'll be 30 next month, but I've been going to church for a long time, but I've never heard anyone even outside of breaking of bread and say, hey, you know, I just want to warn us, you know, we need to judge ourselves because There's some verses here in 1 Corinthians 11 that talk about if we come to the Lord's table and we don't judge ourselves rightly, you know, we might be sick, we might be weak. We'll get to heaven and see that some people have even died because they've come to the Lord's table in the wrong way. That's what the passage teaches. Whether you believe it or not, I believe that's pretty clear in his teaching. But so even the fact that we talk about that, that we give warnings when we break the bread and stuff, things like that are going to draw a line in the sand between us in the majority, even if our life is still in shambles, just the teaching alone will do that. But the main thing, even outside of that, is that we actually judge ourselves. It's not just the teaching that's different that sets us apart or something like that, but we're people who, uh, who judge ourselves. That's one of the, I think, the finding marks, um, you know, of church. On the website, I put, you know, a growing spiritual family. That's basic. And if I I didn't put that, the second thing that I would put would be uh, a group of people who judge themselves. Because I think those are the two things. We want to be a growing spiritual family, absolutely. People who aren't even united by blood, but are united by the Holy Spirit of God who love people in a way that doesn't even make sense. We want to be those people. But also, we want to be people who judge ourselves as well. And that's what we want to be known for. Just in our conversation, because... You know, it's we don't want to give people an excuse to be offended more than they already are. No, like that's what I try to do. I want to live a life where people are going to hear truth and be offended. That's inevitable. But I don't want to live an offensive life where I'm just hanging out with people. And as soon as we're taught, the whole conversation is just me correcting them, correcting them, correcting them. Then they're, they're done. And they're like, oh, I'm not built up anymore. This whole time he was just correcting me. He was just correcting me telling me my wrong doctrine and telling me where I'm falling short and just talking about the improper church structure and all these different things and why the Bible doesn't talk about the New Testament doesn't teach giving 10% and all these different things. And people are just like, well, you know, I don't want to be that type of person who gives people more ammo than they need to be offended. I just want to preach the truth, lovingly preach the truth, not shy away from that. But uh, just to be a person who judges myself and so people can see that, whether you know, they accept the truth or not. Every conversation is one of edification and they leave feeling more built up and whatever. Just because I'm a person who, who judge myself and we want to be those type of people. Even When we mingle with other people, you know, to say, man, I met so-and-so from basic and they're just telling me everything that I did wrong or whatever. But no, in our private car, maybe it's someone from a different church, but when they leave, they'll, they might, maybe will point out something that's wrong in their life or something like that as the spirit leaves or what's wrong with the church system, but more than that, they'll say, man, that's a person who, who judges themselves. I think that'll be a great testimony when people realize, they see the stark differences between what we do, what we operate, what we're seeking after, and what the majority of, of Christians are seeking after. That will be a great testimony when they see, despite all that, Those people judge themselves like they talk about that. They might point out that stuff. I feel like I do it almost every time I preach, something will come out and say, you know, that's wrong. That that, but primarily, that's not the way that, you know, I live my life. I think there was a time in my life where I lived like that and I was constantly looking on the websites and you have websites completely devoted to that to making fun of people's deception and you know, you have people touching people on the head and people falling backwards and then the people will go out of their way to put Street Fighter effects from a video game and lightsaber sounds and just laughing at people's deception and ah, whatever. Evil. So we don't want to be those type of people, uh, but really people who, who judge ourselves and our lives are characterized by that. Father, I just pray that you take these words, Lord, continue to, to breathe life in them. Father, we pray that we can hold true to the standard of the new covenant while being merciful with those who might not see things eye to eye, who you might not have given life to yet. May we be people who just love your people, regardless of how immature they are, regardless of what um, evil Babylonian system they may be trapped in, Lord. We pray that we can be people of mercy, that, uh, Mercy truly would triumph over judgment and our assessment of other people. I pray that our assessment of ourselves would be your assessment of us. I pray that your scripture would become life to us, Father. Forgive us for a nonchalant attitude, for claiming that your scripture is the word of God and treating it lesser, lesser than even some man-made books, Lord, but Pray we can be people who esteem you and love and, and just continue to speak to our hearts, Father. In Jesus' name, amen.